0: It's a long and sordid story uh, involving murder. I started off as a young actor. Not a very good one, but a young one.
1: Hello. You're looking at a piece of history right here. Welcome back to Single Malt Matters, the American Single Malt Whiskey Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Drew, back with uh, another, another. What's, 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 what am I trying to find? I, I'm, I'm making good on my promise to jump down a nerdy rabbit hole today. Wow. <laughs> so this one, what... Jump down and. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gutter. like. I. <laughs> We're already off to a good start, <laughs> um, and and part, so part of the reason why I wanted to talk to today's guest is that uh, a big part of of whiskey, well, I mean, whiskey is all about uh, evaluation of flavor. It's all about sensory evaluation, and how we as consumers uh, establish whether or not we like a whiskey. Is does it taste good? Does it smell good? You know, d- does it have? These great attributes that are going to lend itself to a pleasurable experience. So today's guest. Uh, is it safe to say you are like el numero uno in North America? As far as in general, like the entire population. Well, well, I mean, well, or for 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 your organization.
0: Oh yes, I am yeah. the. Not only am I numero uno, I am. The only yeah. numeral, numeral only. <laughs> so I am the
1: sole brand representative here in uh, North America for uh, Glen Cairn. Glen Marty Duffy, uh, North American representative for Glen Cairn. And when it comes to, uh, to glassware and to, uh, I mean, let's call it a tool. It's really what it is. Is it's, is it's a tool. It's not just. It it's not just a glass. It is a tool. Um, and and one, one of the things that I think a lot of people take for granted. And, and this is something that I, I am guilty of. I take it for granted that when you drink whiskey, you're just going to use a Glen Cairn because it makes sense. That's what you do. If you really want to get into the essence of the spirit, that's the tool you're going to use to do it, but not Everybody I'm coming to find out in whiskey is most people, but not all people understand that. And so I wanted to talk to you, sir, because I wanted to get not only, you know, the story behind Glencairn, what what the founder and the designer of the Glencairn glass initially set out to do and why, but also more long term and 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 more. Um, applicable to whiskey in general why that is important so let's start actually you know what let's start with your background what brought you to Glencairn and and what has the experience been like and uh just kind of walk me through your background with the company
0: it's a long and sordid story uh involving murder
1: uh all sorts of larceny
0: okay and uh this is going to be
1: episode one of five (laughs) many (laughs) many we're just we're just gonna set the preface right now this is like breaking
0: bad times five now um what was it i started off i started off as a young actor not a very good one but a young one and um uh to support myself i uh Started doing what every young actor does—they uh, get a job in the restaurant industry, and I started uh, working in bars. and It was great, and it got to the point where I hated—I hated, uh, I hated uh, <laughs> leaving my bar job for my acting job because that was like just saying, you know, here, throw, you know, that money you were going to give me, just hold on to it. I'm just going to go do something <laughs> that won't pay me anything. So. Um, uh, but as I was bartending, this is in the early 90s, there were no brand ambassadors, there were no, there was nobody, there was nowhere for you to really learn about things like whiskey. What's the difference between a Scotch and a bourbon, an Irish, Canadian? You had no idea. There were no brand ambassadors, no whiskey events, there was no nothing. Uh, the best you had, you had a couple of guys coming over from Scotland. Um, who were coming up and doing uh, seminars, but they're very far and few between. And one of them happened to end up being my mentor, uh, Evan Katnack, who was a master distiller emeritus. Uh, He had just retired as a distiller and he was coming over. He was the first one to do whiskey dinners. You know, the whole idea of pairing whiskey with multiple course dinners. Um, But there were a lot of other avenues you could go out and try to find a book but i wouldn't even know what book to look for there was no internet you know nowadays we're doing this every day, and internet it's crazy 30 <laughs> years ago you might as well have been in the so 1920s <laughs> Now you can go to a bookstore but you didn't know whether the book was any good or not um and a lot of them weren't really you know a lot of them had a lot of uh myths mixed in with fact uh, so anyways, I started doing part-time work as a, a brand ambassador for Johnnie Walk Walker on the Classic Volts. I saw I did that for quite some time. Uh, I did that for about seven years, mixed in working for other brands. I just started, uh, I loved it because they trained you. They trained you on the brands that so you learn, you know, you go do some uh, Jack Daniels stuff and they give you, sure, a lot of it was kind of marketing. You really didn't get too much of the details, but it gave you a basis to follow. You know, it gave you a a bit of a lead to go in and say, all right, what's so wait, how's Jack Daniels different from, why do you call it a Tennessee whiskey, not a bourbon, blah, blah, blah. And how's this different from Scotland and and how's Ireland and and Scotland different? You know, things like that. Uh, Eventually Diageo formed it hadn't formed yet. It was working for Shefflin Somerset, um, but then Diageo formed after they bought up Seagrams, and they wanted full-time local brand ambassadors. To, uh, I, I I should say not yeah local yeah there were seven of us originally and we were the first brand ambassadors. Hello, you're looking at a piece of history right here. <laughs> uh there were no other brand ambassadors in fact there was no job description when i started my first day of work they i said what 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 do i do i know i'm supposed to sell the whiskey but how what am i doing you know and do i have any power do i have any kind of you know um luckily i had a a local uh, uh brand manager who was fantastic she really helped me and she got me gave me a kickstart um but anyways, uh, we went full-time as masters of whiskey for Johnny Walker and the classic malts. Later it became a master of whiskey for those two, uh, classic malts and Diageo at the time. I think now they own some of like 30 single malt distilleries in Scotland. They have Johnny Walker, they have Buchanan's, they have a number of uh, blends, uh, J&B. They, uh, they had Bushmills, I.W. Harper, which wasn't in the States at the time, um, George Dickel. Um, And then we had, they took on Bushmills. That was great. I loved Bushmills. Uh, in Crown Royal. And so that was like another additional seven years working full-time, including two years over in Ireland. I was their reserve brand ambassador in Ireland. They brought a Yank over, tell the Irish how to drink. Me! (laughs) uh and then uh what else Oh, then uh from there on i left diageo in 2010 uh it was getting a little too corporate for me so i i got hired by another corporation i got hired by picardy and i became uh the brand of best for benedictine uh french liqueur for 18 glorious months Nice, really not doing much of anything it was just <laughs> collecting a paycheck until someone did the math and said this guy's not doing anything and yeah no well yeah they were scottish too for some reason uh and then um <laughs> but during that time i teamed up with my friend dave Schmier, who had already started the Indie spirit expo dave had already created uh, redemption rye end up selling that now he has deadwood bourbon tumblin dice uh bourbon and uh um funk rum uh and a couple other drinks in his portfolio um anyways we did that we co-produced chicago independent spirit expo for eight years Uh, and then uh, 2014 um i got a visit from andy davidson andy was the youngest of three brothers of ray davidson who had uh, founded glenn karen back in the early 80s um ray this is a real long story, isn't it? Uh, Ray, (laughs) uh, Ray, what did Ray do? Um, Oh, anyways, they, uh, I I had met Ray and his uh, other son, Scotty, uh, about 2001, just as they were launching the Glencairn glass. That's when this glass came around, which is funny. As we were talking before, everyone thinks of Glencairn glass as being this, you know, it's ubiquitous. It's something that's always around. Everyone drinks of it everything. People even think of it as a brandy snifter. Oh, it's been around for like 150 years. Yeah, anyone can make them, right? No, they own the patent of this. So they're a small family company. Um, despite how popular the glass is, it's still a small company. Only about 50, 60 people
1: work at the
0: studios in Scotland. Design team, sales team uh actual people who designed the glass so uh they needed somebody over in the states and i was kind of a Bacardi had already let me go so i was just wandering around tattered clothes and they saw me outside nose pressed up against a bakery and they uh they <laughs> they invited me in and said marty you want would you like a job little fella and so they gave <laughs> me a job and so that's what I've been doing ever since 2014. Yeah, so almost eight years. This August,
1: nice. And what now? When you went through your initial your training and your onboarding with Glen Cairn, and they they gave you because 2014. I'm trying to think back, and I don't recall. I'll be honest with you: the first time I recall ever having an experience with Glen Cairn was in a right about that time that's because of me yeah 2014 2015 right around there and uh it's interesting because like I was recently at a, a distillery for a couple of weeks and visiting some friends doing some training and the funny thing is I actually took pictures because at like Literally everywhere like spread across the distillery were just stacks of Glencairn boxes. And it wasn't just the the glasses that they were selling for merch. It was the glassware that they were using internally because that's, that's what they do. You know, they'll pour 10, 12 different barrel samples, and then they'll just have to go through and evaluate them. And man, those, those add up. That's a lot of glassware that you need on a daily basis, especially if that's just one tasting that you're doing you know, during right. the day. But then you have tours that come into the distillery, and you want everybody to have the same experience, and so you're going to use the same glassware. So there is, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of these glasses, and I, it was actually, I, I hadn't really ever thought of it before, and I was like, man, that is a, that's a ton of glassware. So I was mm-hmm. taking pictures of all of them. So I'm like, how many of these do you guys actually have? And the answer is never enough, because yeah. because and that's true, like if you are a distillery of, of any real production volume, you're going to go through the glasses like crazy. And then you open up a tasting room, you've got the merch, you got you have to have so many of these things. Um, so when you came on board with Karen initially, you were obviously tasked with growing distribution and sales in North America. But. What were the tools they gave you from a brand perspective to sell it? Like, what is the sort of the 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 raison d'être? You know, what's what's the zeitgeist of of the Glen Cairn brand, and why is it a thing? Well, I always
0: give credit to Whiskey Fest because Whisky Fest is where the glass was launched about two thousand one, and the, not only were consumers exposed to this glass, it's branded Whiskey Fest glass, says it right on the glass, and they got to take it home with them, but also uh, the brands. Uh, we I think to this very day, we still give uh, each brand at their booth gets a box of six branded glasses. Usually with their brand on it, sometimes it just says Whiskey Fest, kind of up to the folks at Whiskey Fest what they want to do. Um, but I was huge. I was big. And then the success of whiskey fest, you know first in New York, then San Francisco and Chicago, uh those shows still bring in like three thousand people, and that's where they have to cut it off. Um the brands, uh everyone everybody, all the brands were seeing that glass. they they started buying it for their own distillery. And then other whiskey shows started buying it because they want to be like Whiskey Fest. And if you think about it, the whole reason the glass came about, Raymond Davidson looked around back in the 80s and said there is no glass to drink whiskey from. I mean, yeah, you have whiskey tumblers, you know, rocks glasses. Uh, you could use a cognac glass, but cognac glass, cognac. Brandy snifters, nah. You know, those are nice for holding in your hand
1: and doing the swirly thing. But they're not really, they're really well, I mean, not. And they're kind of, they're designed to kind of heat. Cause you want to, if you drink it a brandy, you kind of want to warm it up. Right. Because that's where you right. start, you know, that's not always the case with whiskey. I mean, you don't, you don't want to, it's not, it's a different spirit. It's a different experience. So yeah. Why would you use the same glass?
0: Well, a lot of guys, um, uh, Richard Patterson, who actually helped us design the Glencairn glass. He came in along with four other master blenders to give their two cents about the size and shape, height, width. Um, Even though he helped design it, he still prefers a stem Copita for that very reason. He wants a stem. He doesn't want to hold it like this. He wants to hold it by a stem. He doesn't want the heat of his hand affecting the whiskey whatsoever. Um, But, you know, how much heat? Why not you Put your hand in the ice box, then come out. <laughs> Why is your hand so hot, there, Richard? What's the matter with you? Um, anyways, you're in freaking Scotland. That's cold. I've never had hot hands in Scotland. Um, the, uh, uh, but I mean that's the uh, you know the shape of the design, the design of the shape, um, was uh, was always really key, and it just it the. If you look at it now, I mean, I'm always bowled over. I go around to these whiskey events and I'll see whole whiskey clubs will have the glass as their logo, you know, is taken on a life of its own where we're, we're trying to track that. We want people to register if they're going to use the shape. I mean, look if you can look back here, that's a poster I bought mm-hmm. where uh, it's about flavors and whiskey. And that's not our poster. That's something somebody made. I have shirts that people have made with the Glencairn glass on it, but it has nothing to do with Glencairn. They've, they're, it's their whiskey club. It's their whiskey. Brands have used the glass. Again, they just think it's, oh, yeah, that's kind of synonymous with whiskey. I do like the fact that we are like the Switzerland of the whiskey world.
1: Yeah. I can yeah. go anywhere.
0: I'm neutral. Mm-hmm. So I can go visit various distilleries and I'm not seen as an enemy. You know, if you want the glass, I'm here uh but the rise of the glass you know to this very day i still have distillers contacting me and they're surprised to find out that they can buy the glasses directly from us as opposed to going on amazon where they're paying retail price
1: yeah it's expensive which is
0: five it's five to 10 times the price
1: yeah which is crazy
0: i can't you really you're buying those on amazon that's expensive baby
1: so so when when back in the 80s, when there was decidedly a need for a better glass to drink whiskey from, what was the task of the designer and why did they land on the design that they did?
0: Well, first off he came up with the idea and the prototype in the 80s but then he put it on a shelf because he thought nobody would go for it <laughs> so it sat on a shelf for 18 years 19 years uh yeah it just sat there until his son um paul came on and now paul's one of the managing directors he saw this up on the shelf he said dad what's this And he goes, oh it's an idea i didn't think anything. yeah well, i like it this is good so they uh they went, and um, uh, that's when they brought in those the, the master blenders. They figured, here's some guys who would most likely use it. Let's get their input. Um, and the whole idea, obviously, was to create something that would drive the aroma. Now, you know, it's funny, that you were saying before, you know, you, you if you're drinking whiskey, you almost automatically think you drink from a Glencairn glass that wasn't always the case it was really about appreciating a whiskey and you use a Glencairn glass uh but now so many bars have adopted it as well and i i can't bring a whiskey to my lips before, without going like this first right you know that's just that's second nature
1: yeah yeah god knows it and I, check out the color and the, the body and and I'm notorious for putting that thing up to my nose for 20 minutes before I even take a sip of it. Me you know? too. You can watch a lot of these, uh, all these Zoom
0: calls and podcasts where uh, we're talking to distillers, and I'm, I'm nosing. I'm going like this forever. And also, you know, it's kind of nice, just you know, whiskey, man. It's like this aromatherapy. You know, go, oh, yeah. nice. Oh, that's right. Uh, and also, the beauty of this glass. Uh, that you don't really experience especially if you use a, a whiskey tumbler or a rocks glass uh, but most other glasses too don't really deliver this um, is that you if you're nosing you start at the bottom and then work your way up like this and you'll pick up the bigger heavier notes down at the bottom and they get lighter and fruitier and sweeter uh, you know up, up towards the the top rim mm-hmm. that's just kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Then you'll also notice different notes on either side. But of course, as we all know, you only use one nostril at a time out there, folks. Mm-hmm. And your nostrils always go to sleep for about three to four hours. They alternate. So make sure you're using the, the guy who's awake, whoever's on the job. And then
1: shift around like that. He knows like a goldfish, right? It's one, one side of the brain, you know, takes a nap while the other side does the work. <laughs> <laughs> I've never really compared myself to a goldfish, <laughs> or my nose to a goldfish. Well, there but you go. That's for Copyright 2022 <laughs> Matt Drew. Um, oh, a it, you, so, I, and and part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you as well is that I've I have uh, been in conversations with people who don't really understand the importance of the Glen Cairn or the application of the Glen Cairn, and I put it to them this way: this is my. I, and I'm super proud of myself. I hope I'm the only person that's come up with this because I will be so heartbroken if if I'm I'm not if I actually heard this someplace and I've just convinced myself subconsciously that this was my own original idea. But I put it in terms of: all right, you are a you're a spec ops sniper, right? You have to go into the field and you have to take out a target from a thousand yards. Are you going to do it with peep sights? Or are you going to do it with that, you know, one thousand X optical variable zoom? Like you're going to put the scope on, right? Because you want to have that precision. Uh, and and that that to me that says it all. You can drink whiskey out of whatever glass you want, and there's no oh, exactly. like right. it, it, it's like it's. And I'm also I'm also one that's all for there is no right or wrong way to drink whiskey. It's the whiskey you like to drink, the way you like to drink it doesn't doesn't matter. That's at the end of the day, that's king right? However you want to drink it, however you want to enjoy it, that's your thing. But if you really want to get into the essence and the fundamental things that make that spirit different and unique, you can't do it with a rocks glass. You can't do it with a straight sided shot glass. You know, it just, it doesn't work. So it's not, it's not about Well, I don't know if we want to be some highfalutin fancy brand that uses fancy whiskey glasses. That's not it. It's not a fancy whiskey glass. It's a tool to help your consumer better appreciate and understand your spirit. And from the distiller's perspective, I mean, that's why a distiller is going to do the thing that they're going to do. Then that's why they call it an expression, right? It's an expression of the personality and the intent of the person making the spirit. So from a distiller's perspective, like I personally would want people to to have the best and most accurate experience with my product that they can. And so to that end, I'm going to want them to enjoy it in a Glencairn glass because otherwise they're missing. I from my perspective, they're missing out on so much. Big time. I mean, it's
0: it would be almost like uh, it's like, I don't know, going to a movie theater. And they don't turn the lights down when you're watching the film. You know, the film isn't as clear. It's not as, you know, bright and things don't pop as much. Um, you know, where I used to represent the classic malts. You know, everybody went for Lagavulin and Talisker and then Obin. You know, the, the three bigger malts. That's what they're all attracted to. And I at the same time, I go, what, what's the matter with you people? Dalwini? Have you not really examined Dalwini? It's like honey. Yeah, smells like, it always uh, uh, smelled like uh, circus peanuts. You know, the orange uh, the spongy? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah circus yeah. peanuts, but out in a forest. Um, or Glen Kinche, which was, you know, all, a lowland single malt, always overlooked because it is lighter, but green apples. Yeah, and you wouldn't get that in a regular tumbler um, or even a brandy snifter. It is a glass like this that drives those aromas, focuses them up, straight up, and then you can inhale. And unlike wine, which I often tell people, wine is snooty; you have to go down to greet it. <laughs> Whiskey is much friendlier; comes up to greet you. Hello, right there,
1: and you can just inhale it. Man, don't just, don't hmm. say hello, man. Don't 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 go Patterson on me. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking more Ed Norton. Okay, 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 okay that's that's fine just patterson I, i'm gonna go just right, the ball. Patterson, Hello, ball patterson drives me nuts man i can't stand that guy uh, i'm gonna go on <laughs> i'm gonna go public so i can't stand richard patterson
0: he might be a, a bit of a showman he's a really nice guy a bit of in, a showman
1: uh, a bit of I a know, showman i know that's like that's saying that's like saying jeffrey dahmer had some strange dietary habits he's he's man that's anyway <laughs> Richard, not that Richard Patterson is ever going to listen to this podcast, so I'm not concerned Mm -hmm. about it, but that dude. He's a very
0: nice guy in in person. Oh, I'm I'm sure
1: he's just charming. I'm sure he (laughs) is.
0: Hey, believe me, believe me. He's also started the, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that he does online, you know, a lot of his YouTube videos you'll see and I go, really, really, you doing that? And, you know, what was the other thing he was telling people not to do? And I thought that's not right, but, you know, but then again, he's been in the industry, you know, twice as long as I have. So. Yeah. And and here's the thing, I respect the man.
1: I respect the man. He's forgotten more about tasting whiskey than I'll ever know. And I will go on record as saying that, but I will also go on record as saying, and if anybody close to Richard Patterson is listening right now, Richard Ah. come up with a new stick, write a new script, man. It's it's tired. It's boring, and it's it's not even authentic anymore. It's like you're just going through the motions. So yeah. there,
0: I said yeah. it. Before. right I mean, I over see- again.
1: His He suddenly has a room full of writers.
0: Poor guy. I mean, it's, that's his his main thing is to blend whiskeys. So <laughs> you know, when he goes out, he's gonna pull out his little bag of tricks. I mean, it's I one trick. trick. It's one I trick. I still have. I still have shtick that I've been doing. For-
1: 20 years. <laughs> so I have to defend it. <laughs> All right And rant. Oh, <laughs> um so uh now let's talk about the future of glencairn because as ubiquitous as the glencairn glass is there are variations you mentioned you mentioned the the copita. Uh, yeah. I have a couple of those as well. Uh and also don't a a wonderful tool with slightly different applications, same general, I would say, same general function. Uh, What I have come to understand is that from a distiller's perspective, if they're making cuts, that is the tool that is going to best aid them in making cuts. True story. I found this out. um, Which tool? the
0: copita oh the copita yeah Yeah. oh yeah i mean you in scotland you go into a nosing room say uh that i've been at cardew johnny walker's main uh blending room where the team gathers they're they're all they all use the copita yeah fun karen is used mostly out in the field out in the uh in the tasting rooms uh also our Another thing that the Scots got onto is our Wee glen. See the Wee one because their their
1: samples are so wee. They're weirder than <laughs> okay. most. I was going to ask you about the wee because I didn't, I wasn't I, I wasn't picking up on it. I mean, it's like, okay, it's cute and it's, it's you know, it's like the Barbie, the Barbie glass. Laugh. <laughs> <laughs> the Barbie Playhouse. Glenn but but I was going to ask like, okay, what's the application of that? So it's for sampling.
0: Yeah, it's for it's for tasting rooms because you're most tasting rooms across the U.S. And over in so over in Scotland, your standard pour in a pub is only three quarters of an ounce. You're not getting an ounce and a half in Scotland. Mm -hmm. You're getting quarters of an ounce. So you have to ask for a double to get what we get over here. Um, So when you go in and you get a sample of their standard pour, that means, oh, as we. Ah, it's t- almost <laughs> minuscule, and so they were complaining that in the standard glass it was way too wee, and it looked like somebody had already drank it, and this was just the residual hanging out there. And so they it, asked us to make the the wee Glencairn.
1: And so, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, my understanding is that if if in order to have the most accurate sensory experience with a Glencairn, it, it has to reach a certain fill level of about halfway up the bulb. Is that yeah. true or no? I don't. I, I think so,
0: although I don't know if it's ever been tested. Uh, I think so. I think you you really need to uh, keep it right about this level, usually about the thirty mL level. So that's about an ounce uh, tops. Um, but I mean, you can. I've you know, you pour in an ounce and a half. I think a lot of times too. It depends on. Uh, The whiskey that you're tasting, like I said, some whiskeys, you know, it's quite evident, you know, the, the aromas just come up and hit you right in the face, whereas others, they're a lot more subtle. And so I think the smaller you pour those. In fact, one of the cool things about a Glencairn glass is that after you're done drinking it, don't rinse it out. Yes. Hold that glass aside, come back to it. Yeah. And then start nosing again. That's really amazing. Because I, I think that I've always, I've always said, you know, alcohol suppresses flavor. You know, so many people are so crazy about barrel-strength whiskey or cast-strength whiskey, and it's like, yeah, guys, yeah, a lot of time you're tasting stuff, you are tasting a lot of alcohol. And you're oh, that's powerful. Well, that's good. Uh, yeah. yeah, but you're missing a lot of nuance. There's a lot of stuff underneath that alcohol. So that's where, oh, that's why we created this.
1: That's a so weed
0: like, a little pipette. And so you know, you add a little water. That's amazing. What a few drops of water will do to a whiskey, and just open it up. And um, but then after you've drunk drank the glass, uh almost dry, basically dry, you got that residual on the inside of the glass, and you go back and nose it. Now the alcohol is basically gone, and you're just picking up oh, that all the
1: residual flavor that's been that's yeah. really in the whiskey, all that good yeah, stuff in the oils, like all this, all the stuff that hangs out in right. the lipids. Um, yeah. And that's, it's so beautiful. And, and yeah, that's a good point. I've, I've picked up on different sensory notes on whiskeys that it, like you come back, even it sounds silly, but when I'm done with one and I'll put it on the shelf, like next to the sink, uh, to and then I'll come back and just pick it up by force of habit. Like if I pick up a Glen Karen, I'm going to smell what's in it. And, Mm -hmm. There'll be something there like, wait, I don't remember that before. That was not a part of the experience I had with this spirit before. It's clearly there, but yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I never, I never really thought about it in those terms. It's almost as if it's the finish
0: to the aroma and I have the finish when you drink it, it's what's, you know, what's lingering in your throat. What are you tasting? What's, what's coming out when you're breathing out. But here. It's the, it's like going back and getting a finish to the aroma that you were nosing originally when the glass was full, you know, here you're going, Oh, this is stuff that was as down in there that I wasn't picking up when there was actual liquid in the glass. Now it's, "Mm, that is really crazy. Plus Mm -hmm. it's a little more interaction with the oxygen. So a little, uh, Mm -hmm.
1: letting it breathe just a tad bit. Yeah. And I've noticed that too, Uh, when I, when I pour something. And I'll, I'll actually let it sit for a bit after that oh, yeah, initial yeah. pour and let it burn off a little before I go in and nose it. And then, like we were talking earlier about how I'll nose something, you do the same thing. We'll sit there and nose it for 20, 25 minutes before I take a drink. And the reason I do that is that I find as things, and I don't know if it's something happening with the whiskey or if it's just my brain looking for different things. I think it's a combination of both, frankly, but as time goes on, I pick up on different nuance and different subtleties in the spirit because I, I mean, I physiologically speaking, the olfactory sense is much more, uh, there's much more acuity to it. You can, you can, Pick out a lot more from a sensory perspective by nosing a whiskey than you can by tasting it. Oh know? yeah! And so, for me and anyone else who is interested in whiskey above and beyond just getting a buzz on, that's what it's all about, right? So, yeah. um, so it's, it's it's. I mean, again, I, I can't I can't overstate it. Such an important tool for that. Uh, what. What does the future of Glen is? We've, we've talked about the current product line. You've got the original Glen, you've got the Wee Glen, you've got the pipette. Uh, I've seen some, the, the, you've got the um, Copita. Uh, I've also seen like the really cool etched crystal ones. Yeah, are beautiful. those are uh,
0: yeah, leaded, uh, that's 24% leaded crystal, um, cut crystal uh those are nice they, they have real nice heft to them and it, i don't know it's to me it's a it's like uh it's just like when you drink out of a, a crystal tumbler it just has a nice elegance to it it's more of a kind of gives you more of that little feel like if you were sitting in a leather wing chair next to a fireplace kind of thing you know it just kind of lends to that i don't know if it really uh uh, differs too much from the standard one, Karen. It's the same dimensions and everything, but that heft to the crystal is just kind of fun. You, know, you like the weight in your hand and you nose in it and all of a sudden you're Sean Connery and where's my smoking car? jacket? Exactly. <laughs> hey me Patterson. To... hey Patterson, hand me my smoking jacket. <laughs> Hello Richard, Richard Richard Patterson's now your your cabana boy is he <laughs> 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 wow <laughs> wow uh, well, richard oh man <laughs> sorry well as far as the the future of Glencairn, we are we are trying to keep up with the uh demands for glassware not only just our glass but glass in general uh as you probably know is a um, big shortage out there and luckily being a glass company, we saw a lot of this company coming and we had expanded our warehouses in Scotland to uh, bring in lots of stock. So even right now we're, you know, the other thing, the other side of Glencairn, a lot of folks don't realize it's, we don't just make the drinking glass. We started off making decanters. Um, not only the beautiful crystal decanters that you'd have in your your den, um, but also decanters for distilleries, bottles. Um, I mean, our bottles though are not the the fifty cent cheapies that you would get. They're, they start around five bucks, but uh, and go from there. And we can do all sorts of really cool things with it. So uh, we've been trying to help all the all the brands out there that have slightly you know, higher, uh, higher tiered whiskeys and spirits in general. We do tequilas as well. Tequilas, rums. Um, and we can do just about anything to them as far as design and tops, wooden corks. We do all that. Uh, we've thought we've looked into, uh, working with breweries about doing the same thing that we did with Glen Caring glass, making the, you know, optimum uh beer glass yeah for, for really driving the aroma of the of the beer uh but that's an ongoing thing and then uh we also had this this is one glass uh, that uh since you're up in montana just north view uh the canadians asked for their own glass so we did a canadian whiskey glass um but this caught on with the folks down in Kentucky and Tennessee, as well, because the beauty of it is it drives the aroma. You know, you still have the 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 bowl down here, the neck flares out uh, more. In fact, it has more of a flare. Uh, Glencairn doesn't have this flare. What is that glass called? Huh? What's that? This is called we call we call it the mixer glass, and that's because that's what the squats. if you're gonna uh, have like a gin and tonic, that means you put gin in here and a mixer ah that's their mm. idea of a cocktail okay. um but uh basically i'd like to think of it as they kind of play on the old much wider tumblers i i collect even before i started working for glenn Cairn, i it was when i started bartending i started collecting a lot of great old barware and i found these great old shriner glasses rocks glasses from the 60s that were like this wide i mean they're wide and they went out like this. They had little fezzes, uh, decorated with little fezzes on them. <laughs> so you can drop an ice ball cool. right in them. And uh, and they're fantastic for drinking whiskey with an ice ball. And so that's what you can do with this as well. You can drop a larger uh, rock in there of ice and uh, just let your whiskey, especially on the hot days. But if you yeah. want, throw a little mixer in there as well. There you go. Um so that caught on really well uh, down in Kentucky and Tennessee. So we, we sell quite a bit of those down there now. Uh, I don't know. There's always stuff, but, you know, you always have to, like I said, it's a small company. So they try not to get too ahead of themselves. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see them getting more into cocktail wear, you know, bartender um, bartender um, mixer glasses. We do have those some really beautiful ones, but we only bring in a couple hundred. Um, what else do we do? I want to see some martini glasses. Uh, I'm talking to him right now because I'll be going over to Ireland in August for them with my counterpart over in Scotland. Uh, since I spent a couple of years over there, I know a bunch of folks in the industry and we're going to go travel around the coast of Ireland, nice. the entire coast and visit as many distilleries as we can. And they're really into gin and, uh, but also everyone's making Irish coffees. So uh-huh. why don't we make a nice Irish coffee glass? Excellent. Excellent. A new a nice one. Based on like, uh, I have some old ones, really beautiful old ones that uh, thought, why don't we just recreate these? These are gorgeous. Excellent. Yeah.
1: So there, that's no. probably more than you wanted to know. No, you man. That's just... everything I wanted to know. And I'm probably, you know, that I'm I'm gonna have some more questions, I'm sure, um, but in the meantime, so if if folks want to get in touch with you, they want to maybe talk about ordering a, a larger amount of of Glencairn glasses uh, or whatnot, how can oh, they well, do that? And by by the way, I I am going to, I'm going to have your link. uh, I'm going to have a link to your, uh, if someone wants to send you an email, it's going to be on the show notes for this episode, by the way, too. So uh, if anybody wants to reach out to Marty via email, just go to asmwpodcast.com and click on the show notes for episode number 37, I think it's 37. And there you go. Bob's your uncle. But otherwise, um, how do they get in touch with you? How do they interact with the brand? Uh, well, they can
0: always go check out what we have to offer at uh, www.glencairn.co.uk. Um, and, the, yeah, just even if you like looking at really beautiful glassware, there's some really, I mean, their photography on that site is really awesome. Um, but they can also reach out to me for a catalog, a digital catalog, at um, Marty and they are I don't know why people keep on spelling it with an i. I go, Do I look like a guy who spells it with an i? I don't think so. Uh, Marty at uh, dot co dot uk. I
1: and I just pictured an eye with a heart over the, <laughs> the... <laughs> I'm adorable. <laughs> you really are, man. <laughs> Well, Marty Duffy, North American representative for Glen Cairn. thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure I will be in touch. I actually want to uh, get some some glassware as, as well, so uh, hang out after I hit the, the stop button here, and we will talk about that. Thank you, sir. Okie dokie. Bye, everyone. Marty Duffy, the U.S. representative for Glencairn Crystal. I have Marty's contact information on the show notes for this episode at the website, asmwpodcast.com. So if you're in need of glassware for merch or for a sensory program, that's where you'll want to go. And just to be clear, there's no affiliate kind of shenanigans going on here. So if you do buy something, I'm not going to see a penny of it. Again, asmwpodcast.com, and this is episode number 38 marty thanks again for taking the time to chat about what is undoubtedly the greatest tool in every distillery sensory program next time okay and this is kind of a departure for me but next time i'll be talking to someone that you've likely seen on instagram but don't realize it the creator of the mysterious at coming whiskey ttb patrol account until next time